I hope it has been to you too. Would you find the, the Gospel of John chapter 21 in the Word of God? John chapter 21 in the Scripture. I'm excited to be able to preach today and I hope that you're excited to hear what the Word of God has for us. John chapter 21 is where we are. John chapter 21. Before we get into the text and read the text, I just want to say a couple of words by way of introduction about the Gospel of John. Those of you who have been in church may understand this, but there are four Gospels in the New Testament, each of them telling us the story of the Lord Jesus. The first three set out to give you an overview of the life of Jesus Christ. We refer to those as synoptic Gospels. In other words, they're, just, they're starting at the beginning and telling you the story. That would be Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But when we come to the Gospel of John, it's a different, different story altogether. It's not a different story, it's a different purpose. The Gospel of John is not trying to give you an overview of the life of Christ, not at all. As a matter of fact, the Gospel of John is a persuasive essay. All right? And in this persuasive essay, John gives us a purpose statement. All right? Would you like to read his purpose statement? You're in the Gospel of John chapter 21. Direct your eye to John chapter 20 and verse 30. All right? Notice it says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Now, in verse 30, John says, I left out a lot. Okay? I know I left out a lot, but I did. I left out a lot. But what I did write, I wrote it so you would believe that Jesus is the Christ and that you would understand He's the Son of God and that believing that you might get saved, you might have life through His name. So, when we get to John chapter 21, John chapter 21 is kind of like an epilogue. It's kind of like the climax has come, but now there's a little bit more before we roll the credits, you know. And that's what John chapter 21 is. Now, if you're able to stand with me, I want to invite you to do so right now. And we will begin our reading with John chapter 21 and verse 1. Notice it says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the, three, and the sons rather of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately and that night they caught nothing. You ever had days like that preacher on the water? Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, it's still, it's still a good day. All right. Verse 4, notice it says, But when morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. Now this morning, I'm going to invite you to keep your Bible open. We're going to go through most of the Gospel of John, chapter 21. And we're going to look at three questions that the Lord Jesus asked in this chapter. And we're going to see what they meant to these men, and we're going to see also what they mean to you and me this morning. Would you pray with me just now? Father, thank you for this opportunity to look into your word. Lord, I need the filling and power of the Holy Spirit. 
And Father, you have put this all together and you have brought me to this place. And Father, you've given me this message. And I pray that you would speak to the hearts of these dear folks. Lord, there's somebody in here. They've come at the, at the invitation of a friend or a loved one. But they need this message this morning. I pray that you'd block out every distraction. I pray, Father, that you'd key them in on the Word of God. And I pray that we would say with the Apostle Paul, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? I pray that you'd save lost people. I pray that you'd reclaim backsliders. I pray that you'd encourage faithful people this morning. And we thank you for all that you've done. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. When we look at these three questions, we're going to note throughout the course of this message that each question is directed to Simon Peter. Now, in order to understand why they would be directed to Simon Peter, I'm going to give you just a little bit of background. You don't have, I, we don't have time to turn to all of these passages right now, but just, uh, just maybe you write them down or maybe you just have a photographic memory of everything you've ever heard and so you can remember them and look at them later. In any case, Simon Peter was asked by the Lord Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16, Whom do ye say that I am? Simon Peter chimed, up, chimed in and he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Was blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound on earth, shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, and so forth. Now, it is not very long after that 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 the Lord Jesus begins to speak of the days when He will be crucified on a Roman cross for your sin and for mine. The Bible says in that very same chapter, not long after Simon Peter has given this great answer, that the Simon Peter took the Lord Jesus and began to rebuke Him. And he said, Not so, Lord. Lord, I don't want this to happen to you. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Pastor, I believe if you look very carefully in the Gospel of Matthew, you're going to see an apostle of Jesus Christ that I believe was lifted up in pride. After he makes this great declaration, after he hears the words of the Lord Jesus, I think it went to his head. Now that's not Jesus' fault, but doesn't, don't things sometimes go to your head and mine? We think, you know what, I did do a good job there if I do say so myself. Nobody else is saying it, so I just may as well say it myself. I did a good, you done good, you know. And uh, so I think that's what's happened. It's gotten to his head. Now what, how does it manifest itself? Well, by Matthew chapter 18, he's trying to flaunt his superiority to the teaching of the scribes and Pharisees. Listen to what he says. How oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Jesus said, no, no. Now, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Peter, you think you've got the world by the tail. You think you're better than the scribes and Pharisees. I want you to understand, you've got a lot of forgiving to do. 70 times seven. We go further in the Gospel of Matthew. We come to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew 26 and verse 33, the Lord Jesus comes to him and, uh, and he says, all of you shall be offended in me this night because the Bible says, smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. Simon Peter says, oh Lord, everybody's going to be offended. I can understand Bartholomew, and I've been having questions about James, but I'll never be offended. The Lord Jesus said, before the cock crow thrice, thou shalt deny, or before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. 
And Simon Peter, again, he stands, he says, no, this is not going to be the way it is. Well, we know that's exactly what happened. Well, the Lord Jesus came to Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember what he said? He said, watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. But what happened with Simon Peter? Well, Simon Peter and James and John, they had, their eyes were heavy. The Bible says they fell asleep. Jesus said, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Are you all falling asleep? You understand the weight of all of the sin of all the world is fixing to be on my shoulders and we need to pray and you all are asleep. But that's what pride will do to a man. Well, it wasn't long before pride caused Peter to deny that he ever knew Jesus. And the Bible says... They look at him at one point in time and they say, You're a Galilean because your speech bereath thee. You know what he said? If it's my speech that's, put, that's putting me as a follower of Jesus, I'll prove by my speech that I'm not. And he began to curse and to swear. I don't know the man. And about that time, here comes that old rooster. And the Bible says Peter heard that cock crow, that rooster, and the Bible says he went out and he wept bitterly. Now let me tell you something. I may be talking to somebody here today and you may, you may not be right with God. You may be in the house of God this morning, but in your heart of hearts, you're far from the Lord. You're not right with God. You know you're not where you're supposed to be spiritually. I've got some good news for you today. Simon Peter was lifted up in pride. Simon Peter was denying the Lord Jesus that he ever knew him. Simon Peter was withstanding the Lord Jesus, but there was a day when Simon Peter repented. He got right with God. And I want you to know that here we are in John chapter 21. We're fixing to see the Lord Jesus restore Simon Peter. And if, if, if Simon Peter could be restored, you can be restored too, my friend. You can be restored. And so what we have in this passage of Scripture, we have somebody that's been lifted up in pride. He's gotten away from the Lord, but he's repented. And now the Lord Jesus is going to bring him back. But there's a, there's a few things that are going on here. So the Lord Jesus by this time has died. He has been buried. He has risen from the dead. And there have been some times that he, have, that he has appeared to the apostles. This is the third time that he's appearing to them. So he's appeared to them before, but he appears and then he vanishes. Well, Peter's not been used to that. Peter's used to the Lord being with him all the time. And now, he's, he's died on the cross. We all saw that. And now, I don't know what's going on, but sometimes he'll appear with us and then he'll disappear just as quickly. I don't know what God's doing. I'm not sure what's going on. And, and I tell you, I've got an, an option before me. Jesus Christ had changed Simon Peter's life. But in John chapter 21, Simon Peter looked at the other option. And that was life before I met Jesus. What was life before Simon Peter met Jesus? Fishing. Now he wasn't doing it for fun, okay? He was doing it to pay his bills and to, and to feed himself, okay? But uh, Simon Peter looked around and he didn't know what was going on. I thought, I, I thought there were some things that were true, but they don't, seem, they don't seem to be working out for me. Jesus comes, Jesus goes. I tell you what, fellas, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I guess I'll just go back to doing what I was doing before I met Jesus. And so he says, I go a-fishing. Well, a bunch of bunch, uh, men here, they're all named here. The bunch of men said, we'll go, we'll go with you. I mean, we'll go out on the lake too. That's what a lot of us did. We also go with you. Now, let me tell you, the Lord Jesus comes to them, and the Bible says they were fishing all night, and they caught nothing. 
Let me just say, mankind is really good about looking down the road and saying at one point or another, I think I'm going to live my life without God, without the Bible, without the Lord of heaven. And I may be talking to somebody in here. You've come to church at somebody's invitation. But the truth is, throughout your week, throughout the last months, throughout the last years, you have lived your life as if God does not exist. It is as if you are living your life without the Lord Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. God has a message for you this morning. It's the same message that he had to Simon Peter. So here these guys, they go out, they fish all night long, and they don't catch a single fish. That's bad. That's bad. When you get skunked, that's bad. That's just, it's not good. But the Bible says, now they're coming back into shore. It's morning, according to verse 4. Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Now here's the question. Watch verse 5. Watch verse 5 carefully. Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? Now on the surface, that basically seems to you and me to say, Y'all catching anything? You ever been with fishermen that... If you catch a fish, they got to know what lure you were using, and they're fixing to tie the same thing on. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, quick as you take your fish off, they done cast in your hole. You ever been with those kind of people? Yeah, I've, I've been fishing with those kind of people. Now, at first glance, you might hear the Lord Jesus say, Children, have ye any meat? And you might say, Well, maybe he's a fisherman. The disciples don't know who it is at this point. And it might seem on the surface that he's saying, Y'all catching anything? That's what it might seem like. But I found this from studying the Word of God. When God asks a question of me, when God asks a question of you, or when God asks a question of Simon Peter or any of us, there's usually something deeper that he's trying to get us to understand. So now let's, let's consider this. Simon Peter has gone back to life as it was before Jesus. And he's fished all night long. He's caught nothing. And Jesus has a question for him. Children, have ye any meat? Can I, can I rephrase that in modern English for you and for me? Simon, you're living life like you did before you met Jesus. How's that working out for you? How's that working out for you? Maybe I'm preaching to someone here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. And you've, it's the things of God, you know, it's just, it's just not for you. I talk to people all the time. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm just not a church-going person. And I understand that. But can I tell you something? If you, if, you, if you just are honest with yourself, you'll have to sit up and say, wait a minute, I don't know that this is working out so well for me. I don't know that it's working out. I think of a man by the name of Jonah. The, 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 the Bible says God came to Jonah. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. But Jonah rose up to go to Tarshish uh, to flee from the presence of the Lord. The Bible says he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare thereof. He went down into the ship and so forth. And the Bible says by the time we get to Jonah chapter 2, the Lord has prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. All of a sudden, Jonah starts to pray. Jonah looks around and says, you know what? This whole business of running from the presence of God, it's not working out. How's it working out for you, Jonah? Children, have ye any meat? Simon, how's it working out for you? My dear friend here today, you're maybe away from the Lord. How is your life going? How is it working out for you? 
Not long ago, I was preaching at another church here in North Carolina. There was a man there that according to, according to the testimony of some people there, he hadn't been in church in 14 years. 14 years. Now, Satan would love to come and say, well, you know, you can live away from the Lord. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. But I'm telling you, that's not the way it works. There comes a time when my life, as I want to run it on my own, it just begins to fall apart. And I look around and say, wait a minute. I didn't want to be here. I didn't want this to happen. Why is it happening to me? Well, it may be that you made the same decision that Simon Peter made. And that is, I'm going to go, I'm going to live life as if Jesus, and God are not important. But one day, you're going to have to answer the question, have you any meat? How's it working out for you? How's it working out to, to just walk away from the resurrected Christ and to walk away from the teaching and to, to walk away from all of that and go back to living life as if you'd never met Him? I think of the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal son, right? The story Jesus told. What happened to him? Well, the Bible says he, he went up into his daddy's house. His daddy was evidently a wealthy man. He said, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Essentially, he was saying, I cannot wait for you to die. I want my inheritance and I want it right now. And so the father divided unto them his living. The eldest son was going to get more, but the, the younger son got some, and so he gave him what he was supposed to get when the daddy died. So not many days after, the younger son gathered all, and he went into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. We remember that. And the Bible says there arose a great famine in that land, and he began to be in want. He fain would have, uh, he went and joined himself to a citizen in that country and he went into his uh, field to, to feed the swine, the hogs. And he fain would fill his belly with the husks that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. But one of my favorite verses in the entire story is round about the Gospel of Luke chapter 15 and verse 17. But when he came to himself, uh, that's what all of us have to do. There's a Bible word for that. It's called repentance. What's he doing? He's looking around. He's saying, hey, I don't know how I got in this mess, but I tell you what, it was a process of wrong thinking. I'll tell you, when you turn your back on the God of heaven, it's a process of wrong thinking. When I get, when I get to a place where I'm no longer serving God, it's a process of wrong thinking. And so the, the prodigal son said, man, I need to come to myself. I need to realize what's going on. There's been some wrong thinking here. He came to himself. He said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, but I perish with hunger. I'm going to rise, and I'm going to go to my father. Last time I marched into his office, I bowed my neck and back, back, and said, Father, give me! But the next time I'm going to go to him, and I'm going to say, no, no, Father, make me. He's one of thy hired servants. And so... Simon Peter, he's been toiling all the night. Jesus comes to him. He says, Simon, you've gone back to life as it was before me. And Simon, you've been toiling all the night. How's it working out for you? You have any meat? What do you have to show? And listen, my dear friend, I don't know who you are. I've never walked into this church before this morning. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're not right with God this morning, what do you have to show for all of the years and all of the time that you have spent not living for God? What do you have to show for it? That's what the Lord Jesus is asking Simon Peter. I call it a question of direction. A question of direction. Simon, you've begun to go this direction. You've begun to go back to life as it was before Jesus Christ. How's that working out for you? I want you to answer that very same thing. How's it working out for you? There's a question of direction. Notice 
they had to, they had to, they had to just sit there and they had to answer him. In verse 5, they said, have you any meat? No. They answered, no. We got nothing. For all of their work toiling, they had nothing for all night long. But now watch verse 6. This is the restoring hand of our Lord. Here it is. And he said unto them, cast the net on the, on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. Now, I don't know. What, when, I'm, when I'm fishing and the fish aren't biting on the left side of the boat, I won't put it on the right side of the boat. Because maybe I'm supposed to be on the ledge and the wind has blown me a little bit uh, this way and that it's on, the ledge is now over here or whatever. But I can't envision Simon Peter and James and all of these men not casting the net at least once on the other side of the boat. But you know what? The Lord Jesus says, well, cast it on the other side. You shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Wow. What is Jesus showing to Simon Peter? Jesus is saying, Simon Peter, you can go your own way if you want to, but without me ye can do nothing. That's exactly what he had said earlier in John chapter 15. Is Jesus scolding them? No, he's not scolding them. Is he, is he unkind? No, but he is calmly and sweetly restoring Simon Peter. And I want you to know, if you're apart from the Lord today, if you're not where you ought to be, you can come down and do an old-fashioned altar at the end of this Sunday morning service. You can get right with God. You're going to find the sweet Lord Jesus that restored Simon Peter, the sweet Lord Jesus that began to bless and, and, and bring back Simon Peter. He'll bring you back, my friend. And so he asks him the question of direction, have you any meat? Look what it says. Verse 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, there's only one person I know that can do that. It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. The other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. Dragging the net with fishes. The Bible says, verse 9, as soon as they were come to land and saw a fire, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish lay thereon and bread. Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. We're fixing to have something to eat. Look at verse 11. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes. No, no, not no minnows in here. These are great fishes, the Bible says, full of them. And uh, 150 and 3. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus said unto them, come and dine. Look, y'all have been out on the, y'all been going your own way all night long. You're hungry, you're tired. Want y'all to come in here. Let me once again supply your every need. Can I tell you, that's my God this morning. That's the way he works. He'll take a sinner. And when that sinner comes to him and that sinner wants to go his own, way that's the way we all do but he says look you'll come back to me let me meet your every need this is not a spiritual need this is just a physical need it doesn't matter Jesus is showing them you come back to me Simon Peter I'll meet every need that you have come and dine come and dine none of the disciples durst ask him who art thou knowing that it was the Lord yeah there's only one person that does it this way it's Jesus Jesus then cometh, verse 13, and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. 
This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Now watch verse 15. So far we've seen one question from the Lord Jesus. It's a question of direction. I want you to see there's another question in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And Brother Luther, you can get theologians together and all the books that they've written and all of the opinions that they have and everybody's going to give you an opinion on what the these are. Lovest thou me more than these? Well, what's he talking about? Is he talking about the disciples? Is he talking about the fish and the boat and the lake and the net? Is he talking about uh, something else? What are the these? Can I tell you, Jesus doesn't tell us. We don't need to know. But every single one of us has a these. Don't we? Every single one of us, we could fill in. We don't know what Simon Peter's these are, but we know what my these are. We know what, the, what things are the, in my life that are a temptation for me to love the Lord, love them more than I love the Lord Jesus. We know what the, these are in our life. And so Simon Peter gets the question, not only of direction, but of devotion. The question of devotion is, lovest thou me more than these? Simon, do you love me more than you love everything else in the world? Now the question is repeated here, but the Lord Jesus is restoring Simon. Notice what it says. Verse 15, he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. But wait, we're driving a point home here. Verse 16, he saith to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verse 17, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Now, you have Simon Peter three times he denies that he knows Jesus. Now, you have three times that uh, the Lord Jesus is asking Simon, do you love me? It's a question of devotion. Listen, God may not ask it of you three times like he did of Simon Peter, but I want you to know you and I had better answer the question of devotion properly today. You see, there is a battle royal going on for your heart and for mine. It is a battle for your love and your affection. Now, it's fixing to get springtime, right? Probably not any more snow in the forecast for a few months. Maybe, but probably not. The daffodils are blooming. I haven't, seen, I haven't been looking for them here in the mountains, but you don't have to go far and the flowers are starting to bloom. Bradford pears, I assume, are going to be blooming. They look so pretty and smell so bad. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, then, boy, it's not going to be long. Spring comes early in the south and it stays late in the south. And all of y'all with hay fever say, help us, Lord Jesus, right? We, we know what it's like when the rivers of yellow pollen begin to descend upon everything. But in the spring of the year, there's also something else that happens. Maybe you don't see it so much here, but uh, my wife is teaching at the Ambassador Baptist College where she's a piano instructor. And uh, it happens at the college because you have a lot of young single people put into one environment. And a uh, man came to me 
I have two sons. I have two daughters. You know my, my daughter, Abigail. You don't know my other daughter, Esther. But uh, I have two sons, two daughters. A young man came to me and said, uh, as a matter of fact, he texted me. He said, Mr. Crow, he said, I wonder could we meet and talk sometime? I was driving down the road at the time. I don't know, I remember where I was, but I wasn't, I wasn't anywhere close to North Carolina. I said, well, I'm, I'm out of town right now, but I will be back on the certain Monday. I said, maybe we can meet together and we can talk then. Now, he said, that sounds good. He did not apprise me of the subject of his conversation. But I was not blindsided by it when he asked if he could date my daughter. I was not blindsided by that because of one very simple thing. I had driven around and I had walked around and I had seen this young man spending time with my daughter. <laughs> Y'all remember the Andy Griffith show? Somebody was after Aunt B one time, and Andy was cleaning his shotgun while he was having a conversation. He invited that old boy. He said, would you look down the barrel of that shotgun, please? I thought about doing that. I thought about doing that. And if our culture were different, I'd, I'd have walked out there with a shotgun in my hand. You know, I, it, it just, it, The optics would have been perfect as far as I'm concerned. But I didn't do that lest somebody driving by, Oh, they got a gun at the Baptist car. What are we going to do? I, I, didn't, I didn't want to go through all of that, okay? But, I mean, I had all kinds. I mean, I thought uh, I could show up with a tire iron saying, I understand somebody wants to talk to me. I have, there's a lot of things that went through my mind. Uh, I thought about, uh, thought about taking my 270 out and said, Son, this thing does 3,000 feet per second. How fast are you? I don't know about you, but I can hit anything that I aim at out to 300 yards. So, uh, I, but I didn't do any of that. But I kind of knew what the conversation was going to be about because I had seen this young man spending time with my daughter. Now, did you know that that is the way you become devoted to anybody? You spend time with them. You spend time with them. Can I just tell you, we live in a world today where all kinds of time-saving devices exist, and yet we have less and less time to spend with God? That bothers me. It bothers me, because I'm just like you. I wake up in the morning, I pick up my cell phone, and there are 14 notifications that came in during the wee hours of the morning. And I think to myself, well, what is this? What is, this guy wants to be on X, and this guy's on Instagram, and this guy's on something else, and something else, and uh, this is breaking news and all that. And yeah, I don't know why we feel it, but sometimes we feel like we got to look at all those crazy notifications, and before long, a whole lot of time has gone by. I haven't even, I haven't even bent my knees in prayer. I haven't read the Word of God. But look, 20 minutes have gone by, and I'm still on my phone. Has that ever happened to anybody else in here besides me? <laughs> That's the world we live in today. But here's the problem. If we're not careful, we will get to the place where we spend more time with that or more time with anything or anybody else than we spend time with our God in heaven. And can I tell you, you can only get in love with our God by spending time with Him. I was not surprised when this fellow said, I want to date your daughter. I was not surprised by that. Why? Because I'd seen them spending time together. And yet I have found this. 
in the world that we live in today, after more than two decades in full-time vocational ministry, I have to discipline myself more than ever before to spend time with the God of heaven. And my friend, listen, I'm looking at words in the Bible that are convicting to me, Pastor. The Bible says, the Bible says, I keep under my body. What does that mean? That's like when you were a fifth grader and you had your friends over to the swimming pool and you decided to see who could hold the other guy under the longest. Okay, now I know y'all were all angels and saints and never did that, but I grew up with no, no sisters, just boys in my family. We did some... We did some things that are still classified, you understand. Okay? But I keep under my body. It means I'm going to grab him and... Because there's cravings of the flesh that say, don't walk with God, don't walk with God, don't. And I have to come above that and say, no, I'm going to discipline myself. I have found for me that the greater my personal discipline, the greater my personal devotion. I found that the two are linked. I found that as discipline ebbs, devotion ebbs. And it just gets away from me. But listen, the Bible says here, Simon Peter, and Simon Peter has decided, I go a fishing. You haven't spent time with me, Jesus says. You've gone fishing. That's okay, but I want you to know, what do you love? Lovest thou me more than these, child of God? You and I have got to answer that same question this morning. Are we going to make a decision to love our God above everything else? It's a question of devotion. But there's one more question. The Bible says in verse 18, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldst. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldst not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Verse 20. It'd be nice if the, if the chapter just ended at verse 19, but it doesn't. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeth him. Peter seeing him saith unto Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Here's our third question. We've had the question of direction. Have ye any meat? We have the question of devotion. Lovest thou me more than these? Here's the question of distraction. Notice. If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that as you and I set out to worship and serve and honor the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, if we're not careful, we can become easily distracted. Distraction is a problem in our day. It's a problem. I have been driving down the road. There are certain parts of the United States where the posted speed limit is 80 miles an hour. Okay? There are other parts of, the, of this country where the posted speed limit is not 80 miles an hour, but they do it anyway, all right? You ever been to Charlotte recently? Okay, that, that, that's, just, that's just the way it goes. Well, I have been going 80 miles an hour in the right-hand lane, and I have seen people blow past me as if I were still. They had to be doing at least 95. And I am, I'm telling you the truth before the Lord. This one woman blew past me. She happened to have a Georgia tag on her vehicle. She blew past me. 
I was doing 80. I know my cruise was set at 80, and I was in the right-hand lane. She blew past me like I was still, and she was on her cell phone. Wow. We live in a world that's really good about distractions. When I was growing up, nobody ever heard of ADHD, but we all had it. Okay? But I'm just going to tell you it's gotten worse. I'm supposed to be, I'm 47 years old. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be a little bit better. I'm, used to, I'm supposed to be smarter. I'm supposed to be more disciplined in my mind. It's worse. It's worse now than it's ever been. I walk through, oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to do that. I got to, pretty soon I got 17 projects started and nothing finished. What's the matter with me? Well, for one thing, I'm a man. You just need to understand that, ladies. Every man has ADHD. Every man. The only thing that we learn how to do, we learn how to cover it up sometimes, a little bit, at certain times, maybe. But every boy you know, they've got it. Every man you know, they've got it. Just, just deal with it, okay? But we can get distracted really easily, can't we? I'm going to tell you, sometimes distraction is awful. It was September 7, 2021. Mitchell was on his way back from a Detroit Lions game. He was headed back to Michigan State University. He was headed west on Interstate 96, coming out of Detroit, headed back toward the Lansing area where he would go back to his dorm room and his, his, the place where he lived there while he was at college. The day was clear. The roads were dry. But there was a little bit of congestion, and so as, as he slowed down for the congestion, uh, Mitchell, was, Mitchell was just paying attention to the road, making sure that he was doing everything that he was doing, but there was a motorist behind him that was not doing that. The motorist behind him plowed into the back of Mitchell's vehicle, and when he hit Mitchell's vehicle, they say he was going approximately 82 miles an hour when this distracted driver who was texting at the time, when this distracted driver hit Mitchell's vehicle. He hit Mitchell so hard that it threw Mitchell's car across the median of Interstate 96 and threw him into the path of oncoming traffic where Mitchell's vehicle was struck by an oncoming truck and Mitchell's life was snuffed out like that. Today, Mitchell's parents have an organization that raises awareness for distracted driving. Today, they mourn the loss of their son, their 18-year-old son, because somebody got distracted. I read that story, I thought, man, that is so sad. But I also read that story and I wondered, how many people at one time were in good churches like this, but they're not anymore because they got spiritually distracted? And here's Simon Peter. Simon Peter has just been through this whole thing with the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times Simon Peter says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Three times uh, the Lord says to him, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. And then he says, Simon, you need to understand, your life is going to get more difficult. There's going to be a time when somebody else is going to lead you around. He was signifying that Simon Peter was going to die a martyr's death. And the end of the statement, the end of the conversation, what, what am I supposed to do in all of this, Lord? Okay, uh, I've denied you three times, and now you've asked me three times, do I love you? And now you said three times that I'm to feed your sheep, okay. And now my life is going to be difficult. I'm going to die a martyr's death. Okay, I, I understand all that. What do you want me to do? Here it is, two words. Follow me. Follow me, Peter. I don't care about your past and uh, you need to know the future is going to be rough at times but none of that matters. I just want you to follow me. 
That ought to have been the end of it. But Peter has had ADHD like you and I do. You know, Lord, right there is John. What's John going to do? And the Lord Jesus asked the question of distraction, if I will, that he tarry till I come. What is that to thee? Remember those two words that I gave you earlier? Follow me. Follow thou me. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the midst of a presidential election year. Are y'all sick and tired of the ads already? Look, I can't even legally vote in North Carolina. All right? But since I have a Charlotte number, I'm getting stuff from Patrick McHenry. You're on your own, Mr. McHenry. There's nothing I can do. Okay? And I'm getting, I'm getting stuff from all over. I'm getting calls from Winston-Salem. I'm getting uh, texts from, uh, from, from 828 numbers. I'm getting texts, not too many from 704 numbers, but, uh, which doesn't make any sense because my number happens to be a 704 number. But I'm getting all kinds of texts from all over the state of North Carolina wanting me to vote for this candidate and that candidate. And the, the longer I go this year, the worse it's going to get. I know that. But can I tell you something? Don't let an American election distract you from serving God. There's going to be reports. There are going to be some people that say um, one candidate is trying to steal the election. There will be people on the other side of the political aisle that will say this candidate is trying to steal the election. Don't let it distract you. Oh, go out and vote. Do your, do your duty as an American citizen, certainly. But don't let it distract you from serving God. Just keep on doing what God wants you to do. You say, Brother Paul, what does God want me to do? Follow me. It's just that simple. And right now, wherever you are, ladies and gentlemen, God is extending nail-pierced hands to you, and He's beckoning to you, and He's saying, wherever you are, maybe you've been following Him for years, keep following Him. Maybe you've, you're away from God right now. Maybe you're, maybe you're living life as if God doesn't exist. Won't you come back, and won't you follow me? The question of direction, the question of devotion, and the question of distraction.